Well, it's good to see you all. So happy to be here with you. This is week three, as Pastor Ben just told us just a second ago, of happy strife, happy life, which uh, seems a little strange. But I would argue, so, so fun to be working through this series with you, that this is the perfect time, the greatest time in the history of the world to be alive, right in the middle of all this chaos and mess. And there's a reason for it. Um, when Jesus, who we're going to talk a lot about today, came to establish his kingdom, which is different than the kingdom we live in. I'll catch you up to speed on all that. One of the things that happened right before he began to establish it, he was, people are um, intrigued by Jesus. They're wondering if there was a better way. And kind of the forerunner for Jesus, his cousin, John the Baptist, who was kind of the, the trumpeteer to declare that Jesus was coming, he said something really, really interesting. He, in his announcement, before everything got started, he said this. He said, repent, meaning to change the way you think, for the kingdom of God is near, meaning this new kingdom, this new way of living, everything that you've hoped and dreamt about, all the things that your soul longs for is so, so close to where you are, and yet there's just one little change that has to happen. You've got to change the way you think, got to change the way you view the world, and what was really interesting 2,000 years ago is they were in the middle of a lot of strife, right? And what's really neat about the, the complications of our world right now is what creates tension, we have some of that right now, right, really does get your attention, right? And so um, what Jesus is going to establish and help us know is there is a new kingdom that he wants us to live in, and we're trying to figure out how to go about that. And so last couple of weeks we've talked about there's this big idea that we're trying to work through, right, that we need to leave here and go there. That's the big idea, right? But here's the problem with leaving here, the earthly kingdom, going there, the heavenly kingdom. And here's what it is. In order to get where you want to go, you have to leave where you want to stay. You have to leave what's familiar, familiar to you. You have to leave what's comfortable to you. You have to leave all the things that you knew because there is a new kingdom. In other words, you've got to repent. You've got to change what you think. But the kingdom of God is near. And one of the benefits of a really broken world and one of the benefits of a life filled with a lot of strife, remember I told you, to get where you want to go, you have to leave where you want to stay. Guess what happens in the middle of moments like we're in now? You start coming to the conclusion that you don't want to stay here. All of a sudden, to get where you want to go, you've got to leave where you want to stay. It makes it a lot easier when you don't want to stay where you are anymore. This is what Dave Ramsey, Ruth Haley Barton, others say. That the people only change when the pain of the same, the pain of here, is greater than the pain of change. In other words, as we deal with all the strife, all the conflict, what ends up happening is we finally come to the conclusion that perhaps, perhaps, that we don't, where we are right now is not where we want to be. And we start going, okay, is there a better way? Is there a better option? And there is. And what's so neat about this is 2,000 years ago, there was someone kind of in the same exact spot you were in, right? They had all the things they could want. They had, you know, um, pantries filled with food. They had closets filled with clothes. They had influence and affluence. They had all those things, but something was wrong. The world was really broken, and there was a lot of anger and a lot of pain. And there was this guy, his name was Theophilus. He's a real human being. He's referred to in the scriptures as the most excellent Theophilus in the book of Acts. And uh, so we can deduce that he's probably a Roman official. He's probably a guy who had lots of things at his disposal. He had lots of conveniences. The world was better for him than most. He could look out and see most of the injustice in the world, but they hadn't affected him yet. Lots of good things. And yet, yet, he had to make this weird statement over and over again that he wasn't quite sure he should make. And that statement was this. Caesar is Lord. 
That was the statement 2,000 years ago that all the hopes and all the dreams that people had, including Theophilus, were all going to be that this guy Caesar was going to make all those things happen. He was one with all the power. But the interesting thing is when you know broken people, when they get all the power, they don't use their power to help other people out. They use their power to get pleasure from other people. So Theophilus is going to have all the world at at disposal. And yet something's off. So Theophilus does something crazy. Lots of influence. Lots of affluence. He hires this guy named Luke. Again, true story. To go and investigate whether or not he should trust that Caesar... Luke, you got to stay up there. There we go. Whether or not Caesar is Lord. Now, honestly, just going to be real clear here. He knew, Theophilus knew, Caesar wasn't Lord. Theophilus knew that Caesar wasn't the God of the universe. Theophilus knew he wasn't a deity. So he wasn't trying to figure out whether or not Caesar was actually the one to put all of his hope in. He knew better. But he didn't know where he should place his hope. Should he place it in his comforts? Should he place it in his you know, coffers of stuff? Should he place it in the security he had? Or, or, or. This new guy has shown up on the scene. And he has declared there is a new way to live. And he's actually said something crazy, and his followers have said something crazy. They've, he's actually said, he is Lord. He is the king. He's the one in charge. And people are like, ah, is that true? Can we trust him? And so he makes these statements and makes these declarations, and then something happens that just wrecks the whole thing. He dies. He actually gets murdered for his statement. His name is Jesus, and he gets murdered for this declaration that he, he is Lord. And they go, no, 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 he's a human. He can't be Lord, and let's prove it to you. Let's murder him. Let's shut him up. So he dies, and everything goes silent. And then, and then, 2,000 years ago, you, you know this, all of history changes because this dead guy comes back to life. And as he comes back to life, what happens is he puts an exclamation point on every single statement he made. And all of a sudden, people are going, whoa, whoa, whoa. He said he was Lord. His followers said he was Lord. And he literally was murdered on a cross. We saw it. We heard it. He was stripped naked and put on a Roman cross. And he was murdered. But then he came back to life. So what if these things are true? So what Theophilus does is he hires Luke, a scientist doctor, to go and investigate whether or not the things that Jesus said were true. So what Luke does is he goes and he interviews all the eyewitnesses. The folks who walked with Jesus. The folks who heard the repent for the kingdom of God is near. The folks who literally uh, were fed by Jesus. The folks who saw Jesus get stripped naked and brutally beaten and put on a cross. The folks who were at the tomb on the third day when it was empty. And he goes and he investigates and he asks all of them their experience. So he captures all that. And he goes and he reads all the documents again. He goes and reads the other biographies about Jesus' life. He goes and investigates all kind of the Greek and Roman um, genealogies and deeds and and he goes and listens to all the local preachers and he says he captures all these things he captures all this information and he puts it together in an orderly account specifically for Theophilus but also for us and he gives us all the stuff and he says one thing that you may have certainty of the things you've been taught what's he talking about when he talks about the things you've been taught he's saying Jesus is Lord Jesus is the one you can have certainty in. So Luke is going to make this declaration that you can have certainty of the things you've been taught. And now what he's going to do is he's going to walk through Jesus' life chronologically, and he's going to tell you about him. He's going to tell you how he's born. He's going to tell you how he entered the world. He's going to tell you how he got his first followers, and he's going to tell you about the things he's been taught. So what you've been working through last 28 weeks, and specifically for the last three weeks, is Jesus' first big teaching that Luke captures. And what he does in this is he goes, let me tell you that there are two kingdoms right? There are two kingdoms. There is an earthly kingdom. 
right? And in the earthly kingdom, this is where Caesar is Lord. And then there's this heavenly kingdom, heavenly kingdom where Jesus is Lord. In other words, there is a here where we currently are, where there's this earthly kingdom. And he tells us there's going to be woes and pain and sorrow in this world. But he says there's a different world, the heavenly kingdom there. And there's going to be blessings. The blessings are going to come from the weirdest spots. The blessings are going to come from your pain and your sorrow and your insecurities. And in those moments, you're going to look and go, there must be a better way. And Luke is going, yes, there is. And you can have certainty of that way. So when we think about certainty, when you want certainty, what you do is you cling to what's true. And when you cling to what's true, we try to go, okay, what do I know? What do I believe? And what's so interesting about truth is Jesus kind of doubles down on what truth is in his statements that Luke are going to capture. And then John, one of Jesus' buddies, little uh, followers who writes a biography about Jesus' life too in John chapter 14. In fact, we just sang it. Jesus actually says, you want to enter the kingdom. You want to experience this kingdom. You want to experience all that it has. The way that you do it is you go into, the, you have to follow the way. You have to follow the truth. You have to follow the life. And Jesus says something so interesting. He says, you know what's crazy? I am the way, the truth, and life. In other words, truth is not some kind of figurative idea. Truth is not something you just believe. Truth is not something you just know in your head. Truth is actually a person. And so he goes, you want to get in the kingdom. You want to get in this new kingdom filled with blessings. The way that you do it is you follow me. You now move your allegiance to Caesar as Lord, or America as Lord, or your boss as Lord, or your spouse as Lord, or your things are Lord, or your resume is Lord, your house is Lord. You move away from all those things, and now you make the declaration that there really is a king, and he has a kingdom, and he is Lord. So he's in the middle of this teaching, and so we're just going to continue. And so one of the things that's come up in this is that we kind of celebrated and kind of identified as one of the best benefits to get from here, earthly kingdom, to there, the things you long for, is actually by making this decision to walk through. And one of the things that's really neat about pain and sorrow, I told you this the first week, is that pain and sorrow and strife, they're not going to be an eternal state for you. In fact, they are a temporary state, and what they really are is actually a, a, like a big red flashing light that tells you that there's a better way, right? And so pain, sorrow, conflict, are all just a doorway. And in those moments, in the pain and the sorrow and the conflict, you get to make a decision. You get to make a decision to go, nope, I'm going to go clean to what I know, go back to here, right? Everything you know. Or pain, sorrow, and strife goes, the other way hasn't worked, and so what does it look like to go and walk into the kingdom? So pain, sorrow, strife, they're just a doorway to all the blessings. And one of the things that's come up in this, and it's going, well, what if I don't feel any pain? Does that mean I need to go and induce pain? Do I just need to go step on rusty nails? Like, do I need to, like... Go find the pain because that's where you grow. And it's like, no, no, no. no. The idea is you go searching for pain. That's not what we're doing here, right? We're not going to, you know, we're not sadistic, right? Like there's not like you're searching for pain. And the reality is pain will find you, right? Jesus tells us this way. In this world, you will have trouble. So it's going to come. So just kind of a thought there is going, hey, some of you are in it right now. This is really helpful for you. Some of you just came out of it. Really, really helpful because now you have some words for it. Or some of you are going to go into it at some point, right? So there's some help there. But, but, but you're going, well, I don't have it right now. So what do I do? I just listen to this message and go, amen, and wait for one day. Like, how do I understand and make decisions to enter the kingdom of God? And here's the really, really good news, okay? If you're not in pain, not in sorrow right now, not in strife, this is the right message for you. Because there are actually other big red flashing lights coming at you to help you go, oop, I'm in the doorway. Now it's time to enter into the kingdom or go back to where I came from and live in the pain and the sorrow of where I came from, right? So there is another option, and here's what it's going to be today, and it's really, really interesting. It's going to be found in probably 
the most quoted scriptures of all the scriptures and the most misquoted scriptures of all the scriptures. In fact, if you're not a Christian, you're going to love these scriptures and you're familiar with them. You've probably even used them, right? And, and when you look at Christians, this is the one thing that you wish they would actually follow, right? And it's this big, big, ugly word, judgment, right? And you know it. Judge not lest you be judged, right? You've heard it, you've said it, and you've declared it, and you've made the statement. And so you go, what does that mean? Does that mean we should never judge? Well, that gets complicated because, just think about this one. When you are making a moral evaluation, that's what judgment is, and someone says to you, nope, you can't do that. You're not supposed to judge. What just happened? They just made a moral evaluation about your behavior, right? So you understand it's just complicated. So when I'm judging, you tell me not to judge. Guess what you just did? You judged. Right? It's kind of the same thing of going, well, no, no, you really should not participate in persuasion about your religious view, right? You know, you, you keep it quiet. You understand when someone tells you you should not participate in talking about your religious view, you know what they're doing? They're talking about their religious view, right? And so all this gets so complicated, and you can play the game of ping pong back and forth. You don't judge, no, you don't judge, you don't judge, you don't judge, and then you both can get exhausted, and no one wins. So when we read the scripture, you go, okay, it can't be that there's no judgment, because when I say you don't judge, I'm actually judging. So, when, so how do we handle this? And so if you're brand new to this, you're trying to figure out what you're most frustrated with the Christians, this is probably it. If you are a Christian, one of the things you have to figure out is, what do I do with judgment? Am I not supposed to judge? Am I supposed to judge? How do we participate in it? And there is, now all that's going to get figured out today, but here is the big idea. Okay, you ready? This is the big idea for today, and then I'll tell you kind of the litmus of how we get there, right? The big idea, really, really, really important, is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, 92 times in the scriptures is referred to that way. The kingdom where Jesus is Lord is not something that just goes to you. Right? The kingdom of heaven is not something that's just for you. The kingdom of heaven is not something you just receive. The kingdom of heaven is not about just going into you. Hear me. The kingdom of heaven is supposed to pass through you. Not just into you, not just for you, but supposed to go through you. So I've been talking for a while about this location, this place that we're supposed to go, this kingdom where God exists, where blessing exists, and boy, do I want that for you. But the reality is it's not just for you. In fact, the way that people participate in this kingdom, one of the craziest things about the scriptures, and it seems so crazy, and if God were not God, and this were not true, it just wouldn't make any sense, is the way that most people are actually going to experience over there, the kingdom of heaven, is not because one day they're just going to walk out the door and land in it, but the way they're going to experience it, the way you and I are going to experience it, is the kingdom of heaven is going to pass through us into our world. The kingdom of heaven is going to pass through you into your children. The kingdom of heaven is going to pass through you into your boss. The kingdom of heaven is going to pass through you into your spouse, right? The kingdom of heaven is not something that just goes into you. The kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom, is supposed to pass through you, and judgment is the way by which we figure that out. So what do we do with judgment? One other thing I'll just point out, and we'll get into the scriptures. I told you, pain is kind of this doorway to go, oh, we're so close to blessing. Oh, this is where I walk through. Another real, 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 uh, red flashing bulb is when you start to judge. Okay? So when you start to look outward, got it? When you start to look outward, that's judgment. When you start to look outward, whether it's your spouse, your kids, your coworkers, whatever, you know, your in-laws, your, you know, your children, your, you know, your spouses of your children, whatever it is. Whenever, whenever you look outward and go, oh, there's something wrong with them. Whenever you're there, whenever you're in a spot where you want to look outward, guess what time it is? It's time for you to look inward. Right? When you look outward, it means we should look inward. There's a reason for this. 
so that everyone, including the people that you were looking outward to, just saying it, when you want to look outward in judgment, it is time to look inward, hear me, hear me, so that you and they, the people that you've been judging, when you look outward, it's time to look inward so that you and they can all move forward. Got it? When you want to look outward, that's this big flashing bulb in the doorway going, oh, no, no, don't look outward. Stop, Josh, stop. Look inward so that you and they can move forward. So there's something so neat about this litmus is when you judge, it's like this big red flashing bulb going, oh, you're so close. You're so close. Repent because you were in that doorway. You were so close to the kingdom of God. And when you get there, that kingdom's going to go into you, but it's not just going to go into you. It's going to go through you. So first inward, right? When you look outward, first inward and then forward. And so that's what we're going to look like. Jesus is continuing his greatest teaching. We find it in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. This is called the Sermon on the Plains. We don't know if they're the same one, but it's kind of the same big greatest hits ideas. Like I tell you, if Jesus were to have a merch table out in the lobby, this would be the sermon that's on it. Really, really a big deal. What we believe is he's probably sharing these same statements over and over again. This is his big talk where he goes, there's two different places you can live. You can live in the earthly kingdom, and you can live in the heavenly kingdom. In the earthly kingdom, boy, is there a lot of woes. And maybe some of you are feeling those right now, and you go, oh, there's got to be a better way. In the heavenly kingdom, boy, is there a lot of blessings. A lot of blessings. A lot of blessings, right? And so, but the interesting thing is that blessings come from a really crazy place. And what Jesus tells us is how you actually experience those blessings is to live in the kingdom Look to your Heavenly Father and be as He is. Last week, we saw some really interesting things that we're really going to double down on this week. Didn't get to focus on it much last week. But in Jesus' talk, He gives us that big golden rule, right? Treat others as you want to be treated, which I told you is kind of an emotional awareness tool. That's a look inward. Okay, man, if, there, if I was in that experience, how would I want to be treated? There's that. But then He gives us even a, a better way to figure out how we love our neighbors, do good to those who persecute us. You don't just imagine how they'd want to be treated. Then he says something so interesting. He says, be merciful. Be merciful. Be merciful. I'm going to these guys here. There we go. Jesus, I'm going to bring you back up. There you go, buddy. So be merciful as, this is really interesting, your father is merciful. Be merciful as your father is merciful. So there is a way by which we have, live, and that means filled with mercy. Don't expect this consequences and this pain. So we got that last week. He goes, what you should do all the world, the way that the kingdom passes through you is you have to be merciful. Now he's going to double down the thought. So let's see where he goes next. So Jesus is continuing passage. I'm in Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse 37. So we've just been charting through the gospel of Luke. Here's his greatest hits. Here's what he says. You ready? Judge not, and you will not be judged. There you go. There's it. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned, right? Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So Jesus is going, you want to get from here to there. What you do first is you judge not. You know what that means? That means don't judge. I mean, that is what it says here. And so I go, here's the passage. Judge not, don't be judged. The end. Okay, just, let's just do that. Let's be nice. But what is he actually saying? That word judgment there literally means to separate, right? That means you got these two, you got this T chart, like you use a math, and you got the good people and the bad people. So when you're judging, you're going, oh, you're in the bad category. Oh, you're in the bad category. So it says, judge not, or you will be judged. 
Then he says, condemn not. So judgment is about the behavior. Ooh, that's bad behavior. Let's put him in the bad behavior category, right? Judge not, lest you be judged, right? Judge not, or you, so you will not be judged. Condemn not, that literally means to give a sentence to. So this is about behavior. This is about identity, right? This is, this guy committed a felony. Oop, this guy is a felon. Can't vote anymore, right? It's condemn not, judge not, condemn not. Judge not, condemn not, right? And so Jesus is going, hey, here's the thing. Do you want to spend your time separating people, deciding if they're good or bad? You want to spend your time determining whether you're going to write them up, size them up, that's the judgment, write them off, that's the condemnation. He's going, no, 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 that's not what you do. In the kingdom of earth, this kingdom, which is the kingdom we live in, it is filled with judgment. It's filled with condemnation. But then he goes, but there's a different kingdom. Watch what he says next. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So kingdom of earth, you're going to spend a lot of time separating people, defining people, giving them an identity. They separate them, put them in a category, write them off, right? Judge not. Can't do that. Can't separate people. Can't determine they're, they're bad, they're good. That's not your job. Condemn not, meaning you don't get to determine what someone's uh, punishment is going to be. Judge not, condemn not. That's the kingdom of heaven, no, the or kingdom of earth. The kingdom of heaven, what do you do? You forgive. You forgive, meaning... Maybe they deserve something, but you do the opposite. You go, no, 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 I don't want you to pay that. Forgiveness literally means that you remove any penalty they deserve. So in the judgment, you go, there's the penalty. Ah, they should do this. Oh, this is what they have to pay for. Forgiveness is the exact opposite. Literally, he's going, you don't judge. You don't condemn. And what you should do instead is you should remove the penalty. You should forgive them. Now, in forgiveness, it's really, really complicated because everybody has to pay. I mean, in forgiveness, there's always a, a, a payment for consequences, right? I tell you this all the time. If I go and back my car into your car out in the parking lot, right? One, something's going to happen. If I'm just driving erratic, which is a real possibility, right? And I smash into your car, it's going to put us in this weird thing because you're going, oh, you're the pastor. That seems weird. And you might go, don't worry about it. I'll pay. Don't worry about it. I'll cover it myself. Or don't worry about it. I'll just drive a wrecked car, right? In all those categories, there is someone who's still paying for the pain. It just happens to be you. Or you can go, no, call your insurance. You need to fix this, which is what I'd recommend, by the way. You should tell me to do that. I have insurance. That's how we should resolve this. But in that, I'm paying the penalty, right? My, my premiums are going up, whatever it is. And any kind of behavior, there's pain or sorrow. Someone is paying the consequences. And Jesus goes, in the earthly kingdom, you want them to pay all the penalty. Now, in the heavenly kingdom... You forgive not. You don't demand to pay the penalty. Let's write the, play the tape for it. In other words, you pay the penalty. You absorb the cost. You're going, that's just not fair. That's not right. Because, because they, 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 they deserve. So he goes, judge not. You know, uh, you'll be judged. Condemn not. Or you're going to be condemned, right? And forgive. Or you'll be forgiven. And then he goes even a step further. Watch verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. So forgiveness is pointing to mercy. Okay? Don't make them pay the penalty they have to pay. So Jesus, when we say that Jesus is all merciful, what we're really saying there is Jesus is not going to make you pay for the consequences you deserve to pay. But there's another word in this, right? Mercy is one of the words we use in the Bible. I'll talk about Jesus not making us pay for death. The wages of sin is death, but Jesus pays for it, right? But the second part is not just mercy, it's grace. And those words are not the same. They're not synonymous, right? So mercy is all about not making someone pay the payment they deserve to pay, right? God is merciful to you. You don't have to pay with the death of yourself, to reconcile yourself for God, to God, right? That's mercy. But it's not just about mercy. It's actually also about grace. So if mercy is not having to pay the penalty you deserve to pay, grace is actually getting something you don't deserve to get. That's good. So mercy is about, uh, you know, uh, absorbing the penalty, 
grace is about giving someone good, something good in return, right? For the wages of sin is death, right? That's what you deserve. Pay the price. Jesus doesn't make you pay it. That's merciful. But the gift of God is eternal life. So not only do you not have to pay for the consequences of your sin, he also gives you something in return, right? It's like, you don't have to pay it, and you get a new car, right? So what Jesus is saying is, in the heavenly kingdom, you don't judge. You don't condemn. In fact, you do the opposite. You forgive, meaning don't make them pay it, and then you give them something else in return. You actually give to them. Give to them. You, you bless them, right? Or, and it shall be given to you. And then he kind of gives us an understanding, and then let me spend a little time breaking this down. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So now Jesus is going to give us some understanding, going, hey, you don't judge. You don't condemn. That's earthly kingdom. Instead, in the heavenly kingdom, you forgive. And you give. And here's what's crazy. The measure by which you treat people here, right, is how you experience life here. So in the heavenly kingdom, you want to not be judged. You want to not be condemned. You want God to be forgiving to you and gracious to you, merciful and gracious. The way by which that happens is you treat people with grace and mercy always. So you're going, wait, wait, wait. So I can never judge. And if I judge, you're telling me that I'm going to be judged that way? So let me talk about it practically because it already is happening that way, right? So I'm not even talking about like God will judge you here. That's just what happens. Think about it. Think about people that you know are really, really judgy. Like really, really judgy. The way that it kind of pans out, particularly if you're not a Christian, you're, you're like this. Or that, you know, the, the pastors on stage who stand up and really talk about people's sin. One of the places you see it happen the most is when pastors really, really talk about um, sanctity of marriage, which I agree with, right? And talk about homosexuality and how people should not participate in that. Homosexuality is a sin, and you hear them talk about it, kind of becomes their stump speech, really, really big part of kind of their talks, right? And you know some of them who have made those statements who what gets uncovered is the things that they're actually condemning others and calling out, they actually have the secret life where they're doing this. I mean, there's, there's some real evidence, there's some real folks that that's happened to. They've made these big declarations. And then this, this you know, prostitute or whatever is kind of going, hey, I know that guy, right? In fact, he was with me last week, and there's like this big scandal, and you know what happens. The media loves this, right? They cling to it. It's, it's so ironic that this very person who's being really, really judgy is actually doing the things he's judging about. And how do people respond to it? They tear that person apart. And they, they rightfully think they can because, look, this guy is judging that way, right, that way. The way that he is, the measurement by which he judges is what he receives. So we see that experientially, right? Uh, so we see it there. Now, if you're judgy, particularly about the way people dress, their appearance, right? Maybe you wouldn't say it out loud. We wouldn't do that. But you think about it in your head. The reality is you... <laughs> you're actually experiencing, even if it's not real, in your own head, this confirmation bias, that people actually see you as the same way. That they're actually judging you for your appearance. That they're judging you for your hair. They're judging you for your clothing. So even experientially, the very ways by which we judge other people, the reality is we already feel and experience that. Let me give you an example. You guys know I, I mean, I hate cats. I can't stand cats. Like, they're disgusting, they're gross, possibly demonic. I'm not real sure. Like, I have been, and you know this, very judgy about cats. Rightfully so. They're gross, right? Now, my kids uh, got a Christmas present. That was a cat. Don't you see this? That's Belle. Now, between you and I, 
It's short for Jezebel, right? Makes perfect sense to me because it's like, who's the worst, one of the worst females in the whole Bible? So this is a female cat. Let's name her that, right? But, right. but you know this, like you're, oh, you, you're online, you're outside. You're so happy I got a cat. You think it's so funny I got a cat, right? Ha <laughs> ha, serves you right. You got a cat. Why? Because I've been so vocal about not wanting a cat and them being disgusted. So you're happy that this little demon is running around my house right now, right? Because it's just naturally, that's how we respond, right? You can take the cat down. Thank you. So, so we have Belle, this new cat. Now, another way, and I'll tell you this before, you know when you're driving down the interstate and someone zoom zooms past you really, really fast, like way too fast, and they're swerving in and out of lanes, and you're just irritated. Then you get about a mile and a half down the road, a couple miles on the road, and you see that car pulled over with blue lights. How does it make you feel? Right? You see this? Yes, they deserve that. They're driving bad. They deserve the punishment for it. You see what I'm saying? There's just this... This judgment that just happens. Now, that's just experientially. Now, what Jesus is saying here, guys, this is so important. Jesus is saying, you got to make a choice. All of you. All of you. Christians, non-Christians. You have to make a choice. Now, hear me. You have to make a choice. What litmus, that word measure means what ruler? What ruler? In fact, it's a Greek word that we still get the word meter or metronome from. What ruler do you want to be graded on? In other words, do you want to be graded in this place that it's all about your performance? Do you want a meritocracy? Because you can make that decision. You can live in this world where it's all about your behavior and what you do. And you make that determination by how you treat other people. Do you want them to respond? Do you want their world to be all about their behavior and their merits? In other words, he's going, do you want to live in this kingdom? Or do you want to be graded on the curve? Right? Do you want to live based on your merit in a meritocracy? Or do you want to live in a theocracy, but based on God and his merit? Those are the only two options. This is very reductionistic. There is just two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of earth and a kingdom of heaven. And the way you can determine which one you're actually living in is really, really simple. Do you judge and condemn? If you judge and condemn, it's because you believe the world is filled with these, this punishment that everyone deserves and there is justice to be had. And you want justice at all costs. It's okay. You can have that. And you can grade people that way. But what Jesus is saying here, when you live in that kingdom, the kingdom of earth, what you are saying is you actually don't believe in the kingdom of heaven. You don't believe in grace. You don't believe in mercy. And the way you can tell about whether or not you believe in grace and mercy has everything to do with how you give and pour out grace and mercy. So you want to know when you're in the doorway which way you're heading. There's a really simple way, big red flashing light. And it's judgment. I told you, you don't need pain to figure out which kingdom you're going to live in. You don't need pain to figure out which kingdom you're, you're participating in. It's another option. It's judgment. Judgment. Are you judgy? Do you want people to pay the price that they deserve to pay? Okay. But you've got to realize, the minute you plant your flag in that camp, the very same will be added to you. You live in a kingdom of heaven or a kingdom of earth. If you live in the kingdom of earth, there is consequences and punishment. Though Jesus is going, look, you've got to decide. There's two different ones. You can live in judgment and con condemnation. And you can face the consequences of judgment and condemnation. Because you are telling God in this side that you don't want him. You don't need his work. You don't need him to offer you grace and forgiveness because you got it. And guess what? One day you'll stand before God. And you'll have to acknowledge to him that you did not want his grace. And you did not want his forgiveness. And you refused to extend his grace. 
and his forgiveness. And he's going to say something to you that's going to be so painful. He's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Why? Because you lived in this kingdom. You never walked through to the kingdom of God in a place that you can actually determine this really easily. It's actually in how you judge others and condemn others. So you're going, okay, okay, you can't judge, but never? Like, is there, I thought God gives some clear examples that judgment has to be made, the discernment has to happen. Really, really helpful. Here's what he says next. So, so helpful, okay? Verse 39, he says this, and he says, um, he told them a parable. So Luke's going to go, hey, I need you to know about this. There's this parable that he tells. It's so really interesting. He says this. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they both not fall into a pit? So he's going, here's the problem. When you live over here, it's it's so foolish, and if you were to pause and think about it, not look outward, but look inward, you would come to the same conclusion. Because you'd go, this is how the whole world is kind of lived, with this person at the top going, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. So what do you do? You try to perform for this person's time. There's so much counseling that has to do with you having daddy or mommy or grandfather issues or teacher issues, right? Because there was this person kind of lorded over you, kingdom of earth, telling you that if you don't perform, you're not valuable. And so you, you work really, really hard to try to do those things. Right? And a lot of this is even subconscious. You don't even know this case. And then finally, you get outside of that regime. The dad dies. You no longer have the teacher or coach or boss. But one of the weird things is this blind person leading this way, leading you, you now disappears. And what do you do? Somehow, you do the same things. You create the same kind of pressures for your kids. Why? Because it's really, really nice to be the one sitting on the throne. Because guess what happens when you're sitting on the throne? No one's calling you out. They're afraid of you. So all the attention goes there, and you finally, for the first time, get some relief. Now you're the one with the power. No, you're the one with the control. And so when you're the one with the power and control, guess what? You go, no, no, you focus. You do those things. And all the attention goes there. But what he's saying is, you're so blinded. We have created this pattern for thousands of years, performance-based, merit-based, and the one who had to perform becomes the one who demands a new performance. And he goes on, and he goes, let me help you see this. He goes, as a disciple, verse 10, a disciple is not above the teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. In other words, let me explain to you, Jesus, the kingdom of earth. The kingdom of earth is this meritocracy where you perform, and you've been told you perform, and then finally you get to the judgment seat, and then now you demand the performance. Think about the voices in your head. Think about the voices you perform for. They weren't the nice ones. For some reason, they were the loudest critics, right? And you have convinced yourself that their voice really matters. Think about this, even like, you know, like American Idol, back when, you know, it was a show that everybody watched. And think about whose voice really, really mattered on American Idol. Simon Cowell, right? Why? Because he was the loudest and he was the most critical. So there's this thing that the loudest and most critical voice is the one you perform for and you work and you work and you work. And if you've paid your dues, guess what that means? The people below you have to pay their dues too. So he's going, man, the whole kingdom of earth is filled with judgment and condemnation. This is the pattern. So this disciple isn't above the teacher. They've got to perform for the teacher. But finally, they become the teacher. And guess what they do? They demand people perform for them. And that curse has to be broken and he goes so he's gonna he's gonna continue this idea of people walking blindly in this broken kingdom of performance and merit 
So he's going to continue the same parable. Watch what he says next. And this is, has to do with the blindness. Watch what he says in verse 41. Why do you, why do you see the speck? That's in your brother's eye. <laughs> it's an interesting thing. He's talking about blindness. Like you can't see clearly. You can't see clearly. So if you can't see clearly, what do you focus on? Someone else's behavior, because you know. If you can focus on their behavior, all the attention goes to them, and finally there's some relief for you. He goes, so why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that's in your own eye. So remember, when you want to look outward, it's time to look inward. So when we have this moment of judgment, which you have, we all have, right? What should happen is it should be this big alarm bell going, oh, why am I looking there? Why am I looking there? Because there's something that God wants me to do by looking in here. So judgment is a big ringing bell to go, there is something off. You're spending your time and energy trying to help someone else with what clothes they should wear or how they should perform. And there's something there that you got to go, no, I got to stop looking outward. Now I got to look inward because that's sawdust. That's a speck. Let me look at the plank. And so if you're going, I don't have any pain. I don't know how to really, really enter the kingdom of heaven. I'd go, this is a really good one. Because every day you make judgments. You make judgments about how people drive. You make judgments about how slow they are in the checkout line. You make judgments that some people still write checks at the grocery store. Right? You make judgments. You make judgments on the person who buys everything and then forgets their lottery tickets so they need to buy those next. Right? Judgment after judgment. I'm going, ah, this is so gracious of God. He literally has put in our own human psyche these big, giant alarm bells. They go, oh, I got something to work on. I really want to get in the kingdom of God. Why do I judge? So when you have this experience where you want to look outward, every single time, you're supposed to look inward. But why do you look inward? So, so important. Verse 42, it says this. How can you say to your brother? Right, so this is important here. This means, this is common language. Going, this is not your enemy. And he's not talking about just the people you like. He's going, how can you say to your brother? He's going, when you judge, you got to first see them as your brother, someone that you care about. This is someone who you want to be in the kingdom of God with you, which is everyone, right? The kingdom of heaven is not something that comes to you. It's supposed to pass through you. So he goes, how can you see your brother? Say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye. This is so neat. Jesus tells a parable, but now he's going to be really specific. This isn't some story. He's going to hone in on you and I. Usually when he tells a parable, he's going, imagine these people, and you're supposed to identify which person you are in this. And this one, it's really clear. He goes, how can you? Who are you? You're the one looking at someone's speck. That's what he's saying. How can you deal with your brother's speck in his eye when you have this big plank? I mean, this is this is, a, this is a logical statement. He's going, you can't even see it. This is blind leading blind. So you can't even, so you get this big obstacle in your eye. And then he says this, you hypocrite. I want you to be offended by that. Jesus is calling names here. When you judge, he is calling your name. He is saying, you hypocrite. That word literally is a thespian word. It literally means someone who's trying to play a different character. It means someone wearing a mask and trying to play that character. He's going, you're trying to play this Judge, this guy sitting on the throne who gets to make those judgment calls. He goes, you hypocrite. First, we just circle that word. First, that means there's a sequence here. First, first, take the log out of your own eye. First, take the log out of your own eye. So when you want to look outward, oh, what's going on? 
It's time to look inward first. Take the log out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. You see, this is why I think that the judge not verse is so misquoted. Because there is a judgment here. See this? There is a judgment. Jesus is saying, don't judge unless you want to be judged. You want to live in the kingdom. And he's going, that's what this kingdom looks like, this meritocracy. You don't want to be graded here, I promise you. Because you're not perfect. You're not holy. This is a bad thing to be. But over here in the kingdom of God, there still is a response of how we live in the kingdom of God with some judgment. And the way that it works over here is you look inward, and then you imagine how all of us move forward. So outward, no, no judgment, judgment. Oh, I got to go look inward. As I look inward, I deal with what's going on in me so that then I can help bring everybody in here into the kingdom of God to move forward. And he says, the way that it happens is first you, you deal with the, the log, which is a lot greater than the speck, by the way. And then you can see clearly now where the log is gone. You can sing it if you want to, right? Uh, so see, seeing clearly now, you can see clearly now so that you can now help your brother with their speck. So he's going, no, there is a, there's a sequence here. So the first thing you got to do, look inward and figure out and deal with what's going on with you. And then you can help your brother. So here's some questions to ask. As you deal with your own judgment, your own brokenness, your own failed marriage, your own struggle with addiction, your own uh, propensity to lying, your own deceit, your own insecurities, as you deal with those, as you find healing in those, do you actually want to help other people? Do you want to help? So Jesus is going, first deal with that. When you get to the place that you are experiencing the kingdom of God and all the grace and forgiveness that comes with it, do you actually want to help? Is there something you've learned about yourself that you can now help other people with? This is why this is so beautiful. Some of the greatest places to be in terms of helping others is from the brokenness of our own life. There are many of you who have dealt with bankruptcy who could offer some real help with finances once you've discovered it. There are many of you who have really, really had some rough spots in your marriage. And yet you found some healing and some grace, and now you can help other people. So he's going, can you deal with the speck after you deal with the plank? So as you find judgment, big alarm bells, you enter the doorway and you go, God, what is it you want me to learn about me? What are you revealing to me and my judgment for others? And then you get to deal with that. As you deal with it, as you find healing, now... You can go and help people with respect. What I, kind of a rule for me, right? <laughs> so you'll hear some of my life story a decade from now, right? Because there is this, this, you know, this principle that I go, I don't teach from open wounds, I teach from scars. So there's still part of my life that are open wounds, like not ready to talk about or walk through. This. Those are still open wounds. But when they become scars, I go, let me tell you this story. Or oh, you see this one? Let me tell you what that experience is like. So then I can help us walk through those things. But those are not open wounds. Those are scars. So there's a time by which you go, okay, how have I dealt with that? And now how do I help other people walk through that? And then he's going to tell another analogy. And this is what he says. For no good tree bears bad fruit. For figs, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. So he's going, okay, let me give you, let me help you understand. So if you're going, you've been in the kingdom of earth, you've been here, and now you're going, nope, I got to deal with my own judgment. I got to work on my own things. I got to look inwardly so I can move forward. And what he's saying here is there comes a time when you decide that you're ready to be planted in the kingdom of heaven. 
You ready to be playing in the kingdom of heaven? You ready to go? Nope, nope, I want to love my enemy. Nope, I want to, you know, pray and bless for those who persecute me. I want to do good to all people. You ready to be planted there? So you got to be planted there. He goes, because, because, because. The only way by which you can actually serve other people, this kingdom of heaven that's going to go into you, go through you, is for others as well. But the only way that happens is if you actually decide to be planted in the kingdom of heaven. So he's going, here's kind of, here's kind of the process. Right? First thing, you got to be planted. So he's going, first step, plant. You ready to do that? If you dealt with your own life and your own insecurities and go, no, no, God is gracious and good and kind. I am ready to root myself and plant myself here. First step is always planting, going, nope, this is my home base. This is the soil I want to be in. I want to live in God's theocracy where he is in charge. You want to be planted there? Then the second step is this. After you get planted, you got to be fed, right? This is where sustenance comes in. This is what you see in the scriptures where the trees are planted by, by, by lakes and rivers and streams. They're planted and then there's food, right? So you're going to be planted here. And you're going to allow God's word to come into you. You're going to be in community where God's word is spoken of you. You're going to sing songs about who God is. So you're going to plant yourself and remind yourself that you are in the kingdom of God, right? And then as a result of feeding, you're going to grow, right? And then there will be this, this rooting that happens, right? And this is so important. We miss this so much that rooting is going, look, deep roots mean when storms come, the trees don't topple over. Right? So there's this kingdom of heaven where you say, I'm going to plant myself, and I'm going to live here, and I'm going to be fed here, and my roots are going to grow here. Right? And as a result of being planted, being fed, rooting, what ends up happening is there's fruit. This fruit of grace, this fruit of joy and peace. It comes out of you, not because you go, I've got to be nice, I've got to be forgiving. No, 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 no. Your first decision is which kingdom do you want to live in? Do you want to live in the kingdom of heaven? So how do you look inwardly and understand that you need grace and forgiveness? Then how do you root yourself, plant yourself here, and be fed here? Allow Holy Spirit to come into you. That's why it says be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Allow God's mercy to go into you so that as you grow, this fruit is produced. And guess who the fruit is for? Everyone else. The kingdom of God plants into you, grows up. You get rooted as, if, as you're fed by the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, this fruit is produced, and that fruit is for others. And so he's going he's to say, that's what it looks like to actually plant and be fed and root and fruit. And then he goes, let me give you another example, right? Verse 45. He's going to go, he's going to narrow it down a little bit more. He goes, if you're not getting this, you're the tree. Got it? So let me, he's going to let me help you with that. And this is what he says. The good person out of the good, uh, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. Watch this. For out of the abundance of your heart, his mouth speaks. So, you want to know where you've been planted? You want to know if you've been fed? It's really, really simple. What's coming out of your mouth? Literally, what's coming out of your mouth? What are you saying about people? What are you saying about God? What are you saying about the world? What's coming out of you? Because out of your mouth, as you grow, out of your heart, what's, what's there? Your mouth speaks. So he's going, look, this is really, really good. So when you want to be judgy, when you use these words that declare death on people, the power of life in the tongue, it means you're in this moment where you have to decide. Do I want to enter into the kingdom of God? Look inward. Or do I want to live in this world where I sit on a throne and continue to look outward and be miserable? And one day stand before a God who goes, I didn't know you. You don't live in my kingdom. And the way you can tell about which kingdom you're in is based on the things that you say 
and you do. Things that you say, and you do. So let me ask you about this real quick. So you got these things. Let me help you understand where you are. And then I'm going to kind of categorize us. I'm going to judge us into three categories. And I'm going to give you a response. Here's first. You want to know where you're planted? Here's a good question. Do people feel better or worse when they're around you? They feel better or worse? They feel better and worse. Worse? You planted in the kingdom of heaven. Better? Planted in the kingdom of God. How about this? Are you honest about your own mistakes? Have you been honest with people about your own mistakes? Right? So you're looking inward. Not, you're looking outward. And this is really important. There's a difference between transparency, which is just vomiting all the junk in your life, and vulnerability. Transparency just says, I'll tell you all my junk. Vulnerability says, I'm going to share with you what's going on, and I'm going to invite you to be a part of the solution. So you're being vulnerable with people. How about this one? Are you the hero of all your stories? Right? And you're probably planted in the kingdom of earth. Because you're the hero. Jesus says it, right? Are you the hero of all your stories? Have you figured it all on your own and you want to be the solution to everybody's problems? How about this? Are people inviting you to speak into their lives? It's probably because you've been fed and you're rooted into the kingdom of heaven. Are they inviting you into that? How about this? Are they being honest with you about their struggles? If so, then they don't feel judgment from you, right? And then it's, well, what's in your heart? Really simple answer is what's coming out of your mouth. So are your words speaking life? Are you operating out of love? How do you know? Well, the kingdom of heaven, first you deal with what's inward, then you invite people to move forward. And so there's this crowd here, parking lot online. My guess is there's kind of three different groups of people here. As you think about this, particularly judgment, right? You know, we're pretty good at judgment and sizing people up and then, you know, writing them off. And so as you deal with judgment, there's going to be these three categories. The first one is you're really good at seeing what's wrong with other people. Really, really good, right? And once you see what's wrong with them, you discern, oh, they're bad, they're good, they're broken, they're unfixable, and then you just write them off. You have made a determination that they're not people in your life, right? Not interested in them, you have made a determination, you have judged them, and you have determined who they are, and you've just written them off. In other words, you've pointed your finger and shook your head. Right? For those of you who live in that camp, there is a response in the kingdom of heaven. Here's what it is. You should repent. You should repent. You should repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near, but there is this response that you have to repent. You have to acknowledge that. Like, you have to acknowledge that you have written them up like you have written them off you have sized them up and you go that is outward so what do you do you look inward now the other ones you've already looked inward and you've made some determinations about some people you love dearly and you have walked through the kingdom of heaven by repentance first or walked through the doorway and you're now in the kingdom of heaven but you're still making some observations you're seeing some people going down the same path you went down and you're going, oh, oh, I know that path. Oh, no, I don't want them to experience that pain. It's our, oh, I want more for them. So you've, you've sized them up. But then you've just shrugged your shoulders. Right? You're just going, eh, I shouldn't say anything. Nope. Shouldn't do anything. No, no, no. Remember, first, first, you deal with the plank in your own eye. Second, in love, you go and deal with the speck. So some of you right now, you have already repented. You just need the courage to confront. 
This is part of living in the kingdom of God. This is first outward. Go, nope, I got to look inward. As I look inward, now I got to look forward. You got to go, are there are people in my life that I want to help move forward with me. Has God revealed something to me in love that I can walk up and go, boy, I want more for you, right? Not shame on you, but boy, do I want more for you. How can I help? Let me tell you my story, right? Some of you need the courage actually to confront to go, hey, hey, I love you, I care for you, here's an observation to make, and I just want you to know that I, I'm here for you, but hey, here's some things. Right first, we dealt with the plank. They'll go help your brother or your sister with their speck, right? So some of you need to repent. Others of you need to confront. Final category is this. Some of you had some people come and talk to you out of deep levels of love and grace. Came to you and go, hey, I love you. I love you so much, but that thing is not going to be the thing that's going to fix your things. Right? Some of you have had people come to you graciously and go, hey, 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 I've, let, hear me, hear me, I've dealt with my plank, but there is a speck that I'm so afraid is going to grow into something much more. Into that, and I, Boy, I don't want you to live here. Come with me. I want you to come over here into the kingdom of heaven where it's glorious because I want better for you. And people have said that to you. And you've just shut your ears. Just shut your ears. Right? And so for some of you, you've got to consider, is God using this person to reveal what's going on inward in me so that I can walk into the kingdom of heaven and move forward and bring others with me? So some of you right now just need to listen. Listen to those folks who have spoke to you. So I don't know which category it is for you. I don't know if right now you're going, oh, i got so much judgment, I just need to repent. Or, oh, God, you've done some great work in my life. How do I help bring people along? Right? So some of you are still looking outward. You need to repent. Some of you are still looking inward and you need to confront. You need to invite people into this new life. And some of you, some of you just need to listen. Grab someone by the hand and let them walk with you as you deal with whatever that plank is in your eye. Right? That's the beauty of community. That's why I'll share with you for the next couple of months how community is going to work around here for you and I. But for now, for now, for now. Let's look at our judgment, look at our condemnation and figure out what we do with it. It's time for you to repent. time for you to confront or time for you to listen. So what's going to happen is the band's going to come up and they're going to lead you in a song. And it is a very reflective song. So I would just challenge you as you sit here and listen to the song that you would go, God, God, what is it you want me to do? What is it you're trying to refine in me out of your love? And so I don't even want you to stand at the beginning. I just want you to sit here and ask the Lord to speak to you, reveal these things to you. And then if you decide at some point you want to stand and sing, you're welcome to. don't want to keep you from that for just a second. I'd just love for us to pause and go, God, what is it you're saying to us? I just want us to look inward. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing. Jesus, you are kind and gracious and loving. And you're merciful. And so I got to confess, I don't know where we all sit in this. But I do confess that all of us need you. And so, Jesus, for many of us, it's just a time of repentance. We have judged. We have lived in the kingdom of this earth of just sitting on thrones and making judgment. And God, would you, would you help us change the way we think, see the world the way you see it? I mean, we live in your kingdom. God, for others, God, we are in your kingdom. And God, would you help us want to bring other people along by speaking truth in love and grace to those people we love so dearly? And God, for many of us, Lord, we just need the courage to actually listen and allow you to speak your kingdom of heaven from people through them into us. God, would your kingdom be spoken into us and would darkness flee. And so God, in these moments, would your spirit have its way and speak to us, Heavenly Father. Have your way, Holy Spirit.
It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
ours to make today. If you notice, the purifying of our hearts comes only through Jesus. That's not work we have to do. It's just work we have to allow to be done. So would you pray with me as I send you off? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time where we can reflect on our lives, Lord, and ask you to purify our hearts. And I pray that we would do that today, Lord. I pray that we would allow you to start doing the good works in our hearts so that we can love others purely and simply and honestly in your truth and your love and your joy today. So I ask a blessing over every person that's here watching and with us today, Lord. Would you bless them, purify their hearts, Lord, and uh, help them all and help me to seek your will this week. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We'll see you next week.